All right, welcome back to the Verisage Symposium. We're doing our fellow debt talks now. Uh, um, it's a pleasure to introduce this next gentleman. Um, those of you who are at the Art of Value Conference may remember that I did a wonderful imitation of Chris, so you'll have to compare reality to this. Uh, I sat next to him on the bus on the way over to the, well, way back from the football game because you got dropped off there. And uh, is, I, I, I sat down next to him and said, how you doing? I said, hey, just want to fess up. He goes, I heard. <laughs> News travels fast, and as always, took it like a great sport. The brilliant Chris oh, Marsden. Thank no you. Pressure, All right. No pressure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Can everybody hear it? It's good. Microphone volume good? All right, thank you. Um, thanks for making up. Sunday morning, you look all bright and shiny, kind of, not really, but anyways, if you noticed I disappeared yesterday, everyone in your art and your rooms was just a slightly crooked, I'm sorry. Um, was anyone listening yesterday when I did my intro? Thank you. Um, all right, so I'm doing a double debt talk kind of thing anyway, uh, and doing it Tim style. And I, I tend to be on the fly a little bit and, and, and weave in themes that we've heard. Uh, I just enjoy doing that. So you're going to hear some themes from yesterday that I've woven in, even some stuff that uh, Tim just presented that are really relevant to what we do. Um, today I'm talking about the spiritual bottom line and the ascension to purpose, because that's what we're, we're here for. We're here to live our purpose. Um, and we talked yesterday and touched on what Dan was talking about, Dan Morris, about the outside circle, meaning uh, making impact in the world. Um, and, and he was touching upon other bottom lines other than the financial bottom line. And here in, uh, in Veris age, you know, you tend to think of us as economics geeks and there's always an exchange of money and there probably is, but there should also be, they're also mixed in there as all these soft factors that matter. So let me share a little bit about who we are. Um, Exemplar uh, is a holistically integrated knowledge firm that combines the first non-billable hour corporate law firm in American history. We're exclusively fixed value-based uh, no timesheets with tax and accounting, a business advisory firm, and a FINRA member broker dealer investment bank. Uh, and the reason we do that is because of the clients we serve, which are exclusively revolutionaries, game changers, and impact businesses, um, they have a high concurrence of need of all of that. They haven't uh, developed uh, the whole team of professionals, and they really need all of those within a short period of time. Um, also, we're a quadruple bottom line firm, so we came right out and said um, the triple bottom line isn't enough. So if you're familiar with that, that's social, environmental, and financial. Uh, we said miserable people, which our, our industry is full of, right, uh, don't make a better environment and a better social world. You know, it's like their, their world inside is miserable. So um, I just thought that was the conspicuously absent bottom line. I said, how do we do that. That's horrible. Added the spiritual bottom line, called it the quad bottom line, uh, got it on record and said, this is who we are. Um, soon became the first Delaware uh, benefit corporation in the history of Delaware. Um, that's a corporation that legally can uh, observe all of its stakeholders and, and tend to all of them, not just their, their financial bottom line, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, we, of course, have an unconditional value guarantee that's part of Verisage. And um, let's see, I covered, I covered what we do. So for all of you who are wondering what are revolutionaries, game changers, and impact businesses, thanks for asking. Um, all of our competitors ask because they have no clue what that means, and all of our clients know exactly what it means, which means that's awesome. <laughs> You're not supposed to know. But, you know, cancer cures, uh, you know, curing deadly diseases, um, cryptocurrencies, uh, cannabis, uh, anything that's cool, ed tech, green tech, clean tech, um, that's, those are the people that are changing this world, those are the people we represent that uh, gives you some context of how we put together our service offerings and why what we do uh, makes sense in our world. Um, so that's starting with happy people. Um, and happy people make your profit 
by bringing their magic every day. I mean, they're happy, they're engaged. We were talking about engagement yesterday, right? When you're engaged, they care. And people who care always produce better outcomes than people who don't care. But we have to create that environment, right, for our people that they're going to care, they're going to lean in. But it starts with giving your people the economic power to care. So that's a huge thing in our training internally at Exemplar is about the economic power to care. That's different than just saying, I just care about what I do. It's saying, how do you measure, how do you pay, how does your system allow people to make a living caring? So I'm just going to give you an example of me, and you know, so a little quote from me is, don't be in service to what you do, be in service to why you do it. So I wake up every day and you know, think about why I do what I do, or you might ask yourself, why did I get into this role? Why am I a CPA? Why am I a lawyer? What am I here to do? Most people would say, I want to help people. I want to help, you know, and then it gets more specific. You know, criminal lawyers want to help uh, people and help achieve justice or something like that. And, and a corporate lawyer might say, I want to help businesses grow. Um, I rarely say, I rarely hear a patent lawyer just say, I just can't wait. I mean, I want to hit, I want to file 3,000 patents in my life. I just love fi filing. Stuff is great. <laughs> rarely hear that. Rarely hear that. So, you know, my, my why is, you know, I believe the holy grail in service is being able to wake up every day and care for a living. And the caring isn't actually the magical part. It's doing it for a living. That's the economic power to care. That's the, the, the important distinction in our world. Um, so I literally want to wake up every day and say, who can I be a hero for today? I mean, who doesn't want to uh, be a hero? Every day they wake up. So if you can rise to your purpose, and find a way to be a hero for the people you serve, then you've really got something. If you could do that as an organization, you'll end up on top, or at least that's, that's our hypothesis. So if anybody remembers cliffhangers from The Price is Right, Bob Barker, the little yodeler that goes up the mountain and uh, you know, commits a disastrous suicide because Grandma got the price wrong? Bueller? Okay. I'm, am I just too old? I'm one of the younger people here. Um, okay, so... Um, yeah, anyways, I was going to play the Yodeler song because I had it ready just in case. But um, So this is, the, you know, I use this one because I didn't label it's too small. You wouldn't see it anyway, right? But you've got the disengaged. We were talking yesterday about this person that's disengaged way at the bottom. Disengaged in the organization. Hates it. It's a job. It's, it's there. Um, I did put the levels there, though, on purpose. The next one is, you know, I kind of like the company. Oh, no, I mean, the next one is you're indifferent. There are people, lots of people going through life kind of indifferent. Um, also, not the goal, by the way. <laughs> oh, not the goal. Um, next one is I like the company, hate my boss. There's lots of management books on this, right? And, you know, people do like their companies, but people leave companies because they hate their boss. They join the company because they like the company, but they leave because they hate their boss. Um, next step is, like the company, like my boss. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, next step after that is, like my company, like my boss. Actually, like the clients we serve. Clients are cool. Like, all about it, right? One step above that is, you're bringing your unique gifts to serving the clients that you serve every day. You're not just removed. You're actually, your gifts come into play into bringing, uh, you know, into serving clients. And, you know, at the top is you're the superhero. It's just fucking magical. I mean, that's the goal. <laughs> Sounds funny. No, I mean, I want to be fucking magical every day. That's what I, that's actually, you know, it's Chris Marston language. What can I say? They probably bleeped this 10 times already. So just get it ready. It's Marston up here. 
Yeah, oh, good, good, good. Thank you. <laughs> so good, good. Yeah. All right. Now we're talking. So you know, my, I I literally think about it just, just as a goal. And you know, I said superhero. I really just want to wake up and be fucking magical. And that's how I think about uh, what I aspire to be. Um, but the billable hour. And we're going to start with like, okay, what are the constraints? How do you give people the economic power to care? And why don't they have it now? Because you might ask yourself this. Well, the competitive model of the billable hour has constraints. So, you know, we were talking yesterday, and I forget who was it, whose presentation it was, about capturing your, oh, who was it, Paul? Capture, got to capture that non-billable time. So, okay, so people are leaving our profession at twice the rate, uh, you know, of, of they've ever been in history. Women are leaving at twice the rate of men, yet entering at slightly over half. All kinds of non-sustainable trends, divorce rates at all-time highs, depression. Um, lots of fun, huh? Everybody wants to go to that profession. Um, <laughs> well, well, part of it is you don't even see your family, right? You, know, you work all the time, you're overworked, over-leveraged. So, you know, you really can't spend a whole heck of a lot of time in relationship with a new prospect, right? Right? Until you get that engagement letter signed, it's non-capturable, non-billable. That's unethical. So by and large, you're trying to quickly as you can scope out what the heck's happening there, get them engagement under their nose and say, sign here and I'll do what I do. What are you going to do and how you do it? I don't know. You know I'll tell you later, but you've got to sign here. Um, so our competitors have significant constraints in the relationship build. So you know their model doesn't give them the economic power to care, because you may be inclined and there's a natural intention. We want to wake up and care every day. It all starts with caring. But if you don't have the time, you're going to feel that natural tension in there. You're going to feel you are stripped of your economic right to actually give a damn for a living. And that it all starts with the economic model which you operate. So um, the research shows, and this goes back to way, way back, and I probably took this from Ron's research, and he took it from some other research report, that people hire people they like and they trust. And like and trust, there's, there's kind of more to it. Um, they, who they believe care about them goes a long way. And so that's a part of the trust equation, right? Um, it's not just competence. We often think about it as just they trust you because you're competent. Eh, there's much more to it. A lot of smart people out there that you would meet and you'd be like, I'm not sure I trust you. I'm not sure you care. So I wanted to not uh, underemphasize that the old model doesn't take care of any of this. It doesn't address any of those factors. Um, so in value pricing, which I'm not making the value pricing case, you're here already, right? It takes care of the intake when you get a new customer because we can spend as much time in relationship and have the economic power to care. Why? Because if I want to spend, and Ron's a prospective, he's a business owner, he's a prospect, and I want to spend, you know, I want to go to take him to dinner, and then I want to take him to lunch afterwards, two weeks later, follow up on some of the things, learn about his family, where he comes from, make, make a bunch of connection points between him as a human. Just get to know him as a human being. In a billable hour context, that's not billable, right? But what happens to value, perceived value to a customer, when you build trust and rapport? You don't need to answer because lawyers only ask questions they already know the answer to. You should know that by now. So it goes up. Now, you could say, well, you know, uh, well, how does that work? Well, by the time you engage them in a fixed price engagement, all of trust and believing you care, all of that relationship build is priced in. 
So you really are recapturing. You're not recapturing time. You're recapturing value. Value pricing is about pricing value. But the fact is that you can actually live like you care. You can live like you want to live, and your price can account for the fact that they like you, they trust you, they believe you care. And that is huge. It's paramount. It's transformative to what it means to be a professional. The challenge is, and it's not the focus of this presentation, is that it only addresses one part of the equation. That's at the point that they come in. So a lot of people have done, figured out practices to do audits or other things to survey the real need when a customer comes in. Um, and that takes care of them in the beginning, but relationships are dynamic. So I'm going to address that in my next section. Uh, but one thing Timothy mentioned um, was uh, about people coming in and presenting with needs they think they have and not actually that being the need. So when I talk about this from a competitive standpoint, our billable hour counterparts go into a meeting and they take the client's word for it. This is, this is what I need. Well, where did that come from? That come from them saying that they have a pain point internally. It says, ouch, and they determine that they need something, which leads them to go search you and the five other people they interviewed out, right? The problem is, what if they're wrong? Would you be surprised to learn from people like Tim and myself that many or most or a significant, a material amount of clients walk in and they actually don't need exactly what they thought they need? And that if you only spent enough damn time with them, you'd figure it out. If you were creative and you asked enough probing questions, you'd figure out that they need two or three other things in addition to the thing that they said they need, or they don't even need what they need, or they need something else first. What a disaster if it's your firm that solved the wrong problem precisely because they said so. So what a great thing it is to be the hero that might be the fourth or fifth firm in there that gets interviewed that was the only one that cared enough to figure out what they really need. Isn't that living your purpose? Isn't that what it means to care? Why, I'm never this serious. It's crazy. Okay, so it really affords the economic ability to care, economic power to care, and that's that's at the at the beginning. Um, so I'm going to give you an example. Uh, uh, there's a gentleman. His name is Mark. I have to. We're being podcast here, so I can't give real names. I have to protect the innocent here. Um, and I spent uh, I spent maybe three hours over the course of um, you know a sales cycle of 60 days. Right. Uh, many people would have spent an hour free or whatever. The point was I didn't count. I probably could have spent four, but it doesn't matter. I you know it's, it's timeless in my brain. Um, what I had learned is he's dedicated his life to feeding people in Africa by helping farmers grow moringa trees, which can grow in these nasty, just horrendous, like, drought environments. Um, and and moringa is a, a superfood. So you literally ground it up in a powder and put it in stuff, and people could, like, you could feed everybody. You can feed the world with Moringa. Um, but he also imports it to the U.S. and puts it in superfoods products. So he has an importing business. Um, but I also learned that he's dying of cancer. He had stage 4 cancer. And uh, he had like 14 little tumors around his lymph nodes and a huge one, um, a huge tumor. So, um, And he was still out there trying to like pursue his business. So this is why he came to us, was for business. Um, and, you know, I learned a whole bunch more, but this is a TED Talk, so I have to be brief, that we talk about having the power to care, uh, talking about cancer and, and stuff like that is not something uh, lawyers are typically doing. They're typically doing an intake. What do you need? How can I help you? Um, but what I realized in the course of that conversation was we have, of course, uh, clients that cure deadly disease, um, lots of them which are treating cancer using immuno, uh, immunotherapy, stem cells, and other, other things that are... Uh, 
able to reverse it uh, in in material ways. So we had sent him to. I said first, I don't. First, I want you to be around to see the benefits of what you're doing with us. Um, so if you don't mind my taking us on a little detour, I'm going to get you connected with this clinic right away. Um, so he went and he got treatment before we engaged, and his tumor shrunk by um, two thirds within like a month. So and he's he's still alive and he's going to get a second treatment and things things move on. But you know, again, when I think about my spiritual bottom line and what it means to be a professional, the fact that I can be a fucking hero to somebody makes all the difference in the world because there's always another corporation is set up. There's always another venture capital firm to hook up. But when you can save lives or transform lives for a living, that makes it all worth it. This is just one example at at of me being able to take the time to lean in and care at the beginning of a relationship. Um, and then uh, what what happened was he went to uh, Pachamama Alliance uh, launch. And anybody who doesn't know, they're like the one organization that unites all the sa rainforest saving organizations in the world. And they're at the sort of uh, sacred headwaters of the Amazon. And they're doing a lot of great work there. Um, and he introduced us to two friends spoke about Exemplars' as firm, and we ended up meeting two other clients that engaged within uh, 30 or 60 days uh, of that. And that was a power of, of caring that was what led him to be so generous in making the introductions right away and the way he spoke about what it is we do and how we do it. That's what sealed it. So we'll just give an example in that context. Um, but that's just one piece of the mix. So what I wanted to share today was the productization, as Tim, Tim just talked about the productization, of what happens once they're customers. Because how do you stay in relationship? Everybody says, oh, we're a relationship firm. Exemplar is a relationship firm. But what the hell does that mean in the context of your organization? Everybody just cares and they spend free time? <laughs> is that what that means? You're just nicer people than everyone else? Oh, come on. Like, you know, clients do have bullshit detectors for anybody that didn't notice. So you actually have to have a way for people to consume it. You can't just say it. So Exemplar designed something called Flexpertise. We trademarked it. It's our productization. It's a flexible application or delivery of knowledge and expertise across the disciplines of law, business, tax, and capital because we are holistic. So for us, because today it's an immigration question because our client is hiring somebody from Australia to come over and do coding for their, for their tech platform, right? And tomorrow it's employment law. The day after that it's securities because they're raising money. They've got to pay the guy after all. Um, and then it's a tax question because, you know, him and his family are going to live in a different state and then, you know, you're charging revenues in different states, but it's on the internet, so do you, sales tax? Yes, no, how's that work? These are all the common things, but the clients don't want to have to, like, pay $5,000 retainers to seven different firms just to get an answer to something. Um, so it's it. this is a relationship layer. It's just the manifestation of, hey, we care, we give a shit, we're in a relationship, and we're, uh, we're going to surround you with advisory resources. The work itself, of course, is fixed and it's scoped in addition to that. You get into relationships, you value your work. So uh, just wanted to, to share. So you know, this is how we manifested at Exemplar. There's two pricing tiers. They are, you know, they're members of Exemplar. We're, we're, our team is on your team as a client. It's $1,500 a month and $2,500 a month. Now, 
arguably this would put everyone in the firm on welfare, right? Because you can't split this small amount of money over all these knowledge professionals and, and make any money. Because relationship is not where you should be making your money. Relationship is necessary. It's foundational. It's of paramount importance. And it allows you to bring your magic to the game. So without it, you really can't differentiate. Without it, you really can't be magical. And with it, everything else is possible. Um, so, but you need to be enabled. And you have to enable yourself. You're the sellers. The sellers have to innovate and bring to market the possibilities to make it happen. Um, so we cultivate relationships and value the work. But here's what's also great. Because the one thing professional service firms know is that people hate selling. Um, you know, and, and trying to train people to sell is, is miserable. It, it, you know, so our whole thing is we, we don't sell anything. Exemplar doesn't sell anything. We meet people. We give a shit. We sit. We care. We ask good questions. We listen. And then we just help them. If all you did all day long was just listen and just help people, you can make a living. If... And now this is the big if, right? Because you have to have the productization, but now we get back to what we just heard about was KPIs, and what do you measure? Because if you measure people on their production and their billable hours, you're not going to get holistic caring behavior no matter what you productize. Because ultimately, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So if, if you have to sell what's in your brain, just in your brain, doesn't matter you're a 200-person firm, a 2,000-person firm, or a 20-person firm. They're selling what's in their head, and if that prospect needs something your colleagues have, they're going to step off because they don't have the economic power to care. And that's disastrous to, to the firm. It's disastrous to, to, to your customers and what, what it's all supposed to mean. Right? Why are we here? So imagine for a minute, what if your KPIs were not one for oneself but one for all? And I say that a bit as a provocative thought, right? Because right now the KPIs in most firms are just one for oneself. What is your production? What is your billable time? What's your non-billable time? What's your, you know, I don't know, in five ways you can slice the irrelevant, right? Um, so <laughs> um, we have KPIs like the length of the relationship, the length of the Flexpertise relationship. We are the guardians of our customers. We're here to make sure their needs are taken care of. One basic and fundamental thing is how long are we in relationship with us? Relationship is beautiful. It's voluntary. We both want to be in it. So it says something that our customers are in relationship with us. Um, the second thing is what are they spending? Are we helping them enough? Are we asking the right questions? Because if you are asking a lot of questions and your customers are growing, they, we should be unearthing and identifying all the ways, all the barriers they have to getting where they want to go and just move them. Remove the barriers. Blow them up. That's our job. We remove barriers. We accelerate our, our customers. That's what we do. Um, the other one is customer influencer ratios. The more delighted they are, how many, how many others are they introducing to? Did we get them to go to a conference and have they just, did they just introduce everyone they knew? Is Oh, my God, this is exemplar. They're awesome. You would not believe it. They grew my business and saved my life. Can I get every customer to say that? Because if I can, I'll be like on Claude 9. You know, that's why I go to, that's why I go to bed every day. I want to be a fucking hero. That's what, that's it. So, um, and the, the holistic service, is it across disciplines, right? I mean, all too often, again, every professional that interacts with a business are just asking intake questions relative to their own 
own little narrow area. But remember, whether you are, let's say you even are measured on what you do, the fact is that whether they perceive you as a hero and a problem solver still has nothing to do with selling what's in your head. It still has to do with that you're going to connect them with an important resource. If, you're, if they don't have a payroll solution and you're a tax person, hook them up with one. What is that? That's giving a shit and taking the time to do it. That's what that is. But that's what it takes for customers to realize you care. Um, so I'm going to give you an example of how we, how we market, how do we present it. There, there is nothing more than this. We're highly relationship-oriented, uh, so we don't have people dumpster diving on a website to, to, to get business. People are generally interacting with a human, but Flexpertise is relationship first as a service, not as lip service. Why is that important to us? Because everybody else, it's lip service. There's no firm I am aware of, or I don't know if you're aware of, others that productize the relationship layer uh, as, as a part of being a part of the organization. Um, so if you, if you are, I, I want to know about them. But the point is that anyone else says, I'm relationship, well, relationship first firm. Great, what the hell does that mean? How do, how do I get it? How do I get in? I'll sign up now. They might just stare at you. Because they don't have an answer to that question. So, um, you know, just giving you an example of social capital, I give you a couple examples of being in relationship and why this is important. So it's not just in the beginning. This is not selling why relationships. Say why on an ongoing basis. Why productize giving a shit? So we have a financial institution that we set up, uh, a regulated financial institution in the cryptocurrency space. Uh, in the course of doing so much of this work, we've encountered investors and, um, and of course, a, a ton of clients because that's going on in a big way right now. Um, and we had an investor that was interested in participating in this institution's financial round, which was $13 million in size. Um, and they were going to put in $7 million. So um, now... Arguably, it takes time. It took time to communicate to the investor what our different client base was doing. It took time in taking them to lunch to, to really explain the portfolio of clients. It took time to explain the business model of the financial institution in a manner that, that conveyed why it's an attractive investment opportunity. It took time to be on the phone connecting them and then following up and figuring out that the deal structure was going to work. That's not stuff that people do without having some type of a retainer involved. So we had a relationship layer there. But we also have an investment bank, and we have a capital addendum. So Timothy might say, don't give it all away. You know, of course, so we don't. When, when you're bringing your magic to the game, you also have to be able to monetize the magic, right? So that's a situation where we had an addendum for our capital side, plug and play, boom, made the investment happen. And that, and, you know, that ended up being a significant amount of fees. Um, but not all of it involves fees, and it doesn't have to. Some of the magic is just in what relationship means. That's example number two. We have a wellness-focused company that just produced a documentary in the health and wellness space for the conscious consumer, people who want to do, uh, you know, who decided Wells Fargo isn't, uh, isn't awesome because, you know, 10 fake accounts aren't great. You know, they'd like to have some real accounts um, <laughs> and get some real service. Uh, so they want to deal with a conscious bank, <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, that's, uh, the documentary is awesome. You should check it out. I'll tell you more about 
about it privately. Um, and they're trying to reach their cons consumers or customer base. Turns out that our portfolio of clients in the health and wellness space, we've got one in the love and intimacy space that's got a, it's like a cosmopolitan online, uh, awesome, have a huge viewer base, all conscious consumers. And another company uh, that's focused on women's fitness and health and having healthy body images, and they have 20 million users. So to give you an example, perfect target audience for this, all, all three of them clients, all of them on Flexpertise, all in relationship. We were, I was paid to care. And because I cared, I was able to connect these organizations. The, the fitness, the women's health fitness one's on an exit sell side engagement right now. So it, their, the cross-pollination of users boosted their earnings in a way that made them much more attractive to a buyer at the same time as helping the wellness company uh, grow and, and get its movie out to the masses, which is helping them grow the revenue base. That stuff is just magical. And you can't count how valuable it is. You just can't. Because it's touched so many of the accounts in ways that no one, none of our peer firms are doing it. Um, and it's, it's bringing so much meaning. It brought so much meaning to my life. And these are very personal examples I'm giving you, but I wanted to make it real. Um, so you might say, well, how do you manifest it? What does it look like? Uh, this is an example of the first you know, several points of an engagement agreement for Flexpertise. And so you know, most of our customers, we say, hey, everything we do is at a relationship layer. Because like Timothy said, they walk and they say, I need X, really they need Y. How do you figure out if they need Y? Well, yeah, you can schmooze them, take them to dinner, take them to wine and do all this, or do an audit, or you could productize relationship and say, we're relationship first and we mean it. Now, we're not kidding, really. This is how we do it. We're going to invest. We're going to over-invest in you. It's a loss leader to us. We don't make money doing it. We don't believe that's where the money is. However, it's in your best interest that you've got people that actually give a shit and care. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to sit down and understand what you need, when you need it, how to budget for it. Different from pricing. Budgeting is in the future. Pricing is what work you need now. So we're going to get into the, the, the there's geekiness uh, details into that, but there's really important distinction. If people have a map, then they spend the right money at the right time. And if they spend the right money at the wrong time because they said they needed it and you said, okay, <laughs> then they run out of money to do the right thing they need. And their business could be stalled for six months to a year, running out, getting capital to do the thing they really had to do to get on in the world. So just wanted to share an example. But it's open access. It's unfettered access to us. I just want you all to start shivering in your boots. Oh, my God, what if they call you all the time? I'm sure that's on the app. You can ask me the question. I just thought I'd say so. Oh, that's it. Um, uh, that's it on Flexpertise. You know, earlier we talked to uh, Dan Morris yesterday, talked about the fuselage model. Just wanted you to see a manifestation of how we did that uh, for different pricing classes. If you'll notice the guy in coach classes in knee chest position, they're ready to crash. Um, and there's that cheap bastard on the wing. He's hanging in there at the back. Just, just thought I'd share. Thank you very much. One second left. All right. Thank you.